This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. I'd like for you to take your Bible and go with me to 1 Samuel 25. 1 Samuel chapter number 25. We've been studying the life of David, and we have come to the 25th chapter. We looked at the first portion of that chapter uh, last, well, it was two weeks ago now. And uh, last Sunday, we fast-forwarded to look at uh, David's preparations for the tabernacle. Uh, but we come now into 1 Samuel chapter 25, and I want us to pick up uh, in verse 14. We'll read through uh, verse 35. Uh, we'll begin in verse 14, and we'll read through verse 35. I'll give you a little bit of backup or review so we can all come to the same point, if you weren't here the last time we noted this, and then we'll look at the remainder of this chapter. But we come to verse 14, but one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master, and he railed on them. But the men were very good unto us, and uh, we were not hurt, neither missed we anything as long as we were conversant with them. When we were in the fields, they were a wall unto us, both by night and day, and all the while we were with them, keeping the sheep. Now, therefore, know and consider what thou wilt do, for evil is determined against our master and against all his household, for he is a, such a son of Belial that a man cannot speak to him. Then we come into verse 18, Then Abigail made haste and took two hundred loaves, and two bottles of wine, and five sheep ready dressed, and five measures of parched corn, and a hundred clusters of raisins, and two hundred cakes of figs, and laid them on asses. And she said unto her servants, Go on before me. Behold, I come after you. But she told not her husband Nabal. And it was so as she rode on the ass that she came down by the covert of the hill, and behold, David and his men came down against her, and she met them. Now David had said, Surely in vain have I kept all that this fellow hath in the wilderness. You see, David had requested of Nabal that Nabal, out of the abundance of the provisions that he had received, that Nabal would help sustain David and some of his young men in the wilderness as they ran from Saul. And while they were fleeing from Saul, David had protected Nabal's sheep and his farm uh, from the attacks of the Philistines. And so he asked just for a little in return. And of course, as we read, Nabal railed on David's men and rejected their requests. And so David, in his anger, had resolved to go up and to destroy Nabal and all the men uh, that Nabal had working with him. And the Bible tells us that in verse 23, when Abigail saw David, she hasted 
and lighted off the ass and fell before David on her face and bowed herself to the ground and fell at his feet and said, Upon me, my Lord, upon me, let this iniquity be. And let thine handmaid, I pray thee, speak in thine audience and hear the words of thine handmaid. Let not, my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial. Here she is speaking now of her husband. Even Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, thine handmaid, saw not the young men of my Lord whom thou didst sin. Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, seeing the Lord hath withholden thee from coming to shed blood, and from avenging thyself in thine own hand, now let thine enemies and they that seek evil to my Lord be as Nabal. And now this blessing which thine handmaid hath brought unto my Lord, let it even be given unto the young men that follow my Lord. I pray thee, forgive the trespass of thine handmaid, for the Lord will certainly make the Lord a sure house, because my Lord findeth the battles of the Lord. In other words, she's saying, David is the Lord, small l-o-r-d, the king, the anointed king, is finding the battles of the Lord, Jehovah God. And evil hath not been found in thee all thy days. Verse 29, yet a man is risen to pursue thee and to seek thy soul, but the soul of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of life with the Lord thy God and the souls of thine enemies. Them shall he sling out as out of the middle of a sling. And it shall come to pass when the Lord shall have done my Lord according to all uh, that good that he hath spoken concerning thee and shall have appointed thee ruler over Israel, that this shall be no grief unto thee nor offense of heart unto my Lord, either that thou hast shed blood causeless or that my Lord hath avenged himself. But when the Lord shall have dealt well with my Lord, then remember thine handmaid. And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which sent thee this day to meet me. And blessed be thy advice, and blessed be thou, which hast kept me this day from coming to shed blood and from avenging myself with mine own hand. For in very deed, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, which hath kept me back from hurting thee, except thou hast hasted and come to meet me, surely there had not been left unto Nabal by the morning light any that pisseth against the wall. So David received of her hand that which she had brought him. And David said unto her, Go up in peace to thine house. See, I have hearkened to thy voice, and I have accepted thy person. I want to I back up just a little bit and, and, and just review this chapter with you. It begins with David and his men who are on the run from Saul are in need of provisions. And so David sends a group of men to meet with Nabal and ask them if he would give them of his abundance. This was a feast time. It was a harvest time. Nabal was shearing his sheep, and uh, he was enjoying the bounty of his harvest, and he had plenty. Before the harvest had come, David and his men, while they were running from Saul, also had protected Nabal's sheep and Nabal's shepherds. And so David, with a reasonable request and a very simple request, asked that Nabal provide uh, for his men. Uh, Nabal's answer was a reviling answer. It was full of reproaches. He questioned who David was and even accused David of, of being disloyal to Saul. 
He made it very clear and very plain that what was his was his and that he had no intention to give it to David. When David heard the news, he was angry. And he said to his men, I want 400 of you to gird on your sword. And he rode to Nabal. And his intention was to slay Nabal and all the men that pertained to Nabal and to his household. Nabal's servants recognized that this was probably going to be David's reaction. And so they said to Abigail, who was Nabal's wife, I think you need to do something. And so Abigail acted in haste, and she loaded the donkeys full of provisions, and she sent the donkeys on ahead of her full of those provisions to meet David and his men as they were riding to destroy her husband and his household. David obviously was met with these provisions, and then behind them came, riding a donkey, this gracious woman that we're introduced to here in this passage, Abigail. Abigail approaches David in humility, and she begins to speak to him, and she begins to reason with him concerning his intent to kill her husband. And not only is she trying to keep David from killing Nabal for the sake of Nabal and his men, but she's trying to keep David from taking things into his own hands because he was the anointed king of Israel. And he would never be able as the king of Israel to outlive this action had he taken it. And so she is reasoning with him and appealing to him to, to listen to the voice of God and to put his trust in God so as not to take things into his own hand and cause himself a wound that he would never outlive. David heard her gracious words, and God began to work in his heart, and David responded to her words and her reasoning, and David put his sword down. Eventually, God dealt with Nabal, who had obviously judgment coming to him, but he also rewarded Abigail. And so we find that in this text. We notice in chapter number 24 that when David was running from Saul and Saul had come into the cave, he didn't recognize that David was there hiding. And while Saul laid his robe aside and decided to take some rest, David had the opportunity to kill Saul. And the Bible said that he refused to do so. He recognized that Saul was the Lord's anointed, and, and therefore, as the king of Israel and as the anointed of the Lord, David could not lift his hand against Saul. He cut off, if you remember, the fringe of his, his robe. And the Bible said that his heart smote him when he did that. He ran out after Saul left the cave to appeal to Saul to say to him, I had the opportunity to kill you, but I didn't take the opportunity. I want you to know that you're the anointed of the Lord, and I'm not going to lift my hand against you. And Saul recognized in that moment, even confessed his foolishness and his folly and his sin, and he, he committed to David that he would no longer pursue him. Now we come to the 25th chapter, David having enjoyed a great victory. It really was a great victory. To refuse to take matters into his own hands, to refuse to bring judgment and vengeance 
upon his adversary. But now we come to the 25th chapter, and there's another man, a man that we're introduced to named Nabal, who is reproaching him and reviling him. And David is ready now to take matters into his own hand. And I think of the words that I, I read in my study as we prepared, as I prepared to preach, and it's, it's from a book called The Making of the Man of God by Alan Redpath. And Redpath has this to say about this portion of Scripture. He says, this story tells me that however long I may have been on the Christian path, however often I may have overcome one temptation or another, however many times I have defeated sin in one area, it can strike in another and crush me in a moment. I may have overcome great temptation by the grace of the Lord. I may have stood my ground against the fierce onslaught of the enemy in one way or another and yet be tripped up by the smallest pinprick that gets under my skin. The victories which I win by the grace of God and through the power of the blood of Jesus cannot impart strength to me for the future. No spiritual triumph in my life can give me power to resist the devil the next time he comes. There is nothing so sinful but that I may fall into it at any time unless moment by moment I am being kept in his love to show restraint in dealing with one person who has been unkind, high-handed, hateful. is no guarantee that at an unguarded moment uh, I may not come uh, or that moment will not come, rather, when I will say I'm going to wreak my vengeance on this person, especially if it is someone to whom I think I am superior. And no doubt that's exactly what David felt when it came to Nabal. Nabal reviled and said, who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? Well, he's breaking away from his master. He's a disloyal little fella. There's no reason for me to help him. And David thought to himself, who do you think you are, Nabal? I'm going to show you a thing or two. We all have that in us, don't we? And we better be careful because one moment we may live in victory, but in the next, defeat. And that's where David is heading right now with his 400 men and swords drawn. He's heading toward defeat. I want you to notice some things in this passage. I, I'm praying that God by his spirit will help us here and help me to communicate to you the truth of his word. We pick up here number four in the outline. I gave you the first three last week. So this is part two. We see the response of Abigail. The response of Abigail. And there are four things we learn from her response. First of all, we're going to see that she acted quickly. I want, to, I want us to back up and look at verse 3 as we think about Abigail just for a moment, and then we'll, we'll look at her response. In verse 3, now the name of the man, that was her husband, was Nabal, and the name of his wife, Abigail. Now notice what the Bible says about Abigail. She was a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance. I mean, she's everything you would hope for, right? A woman of good understanding, a beautiful countenance. She had a gracious spirit. She was a lovely young woman. She understood things. She knew the Lord. But the man, her husband, was churlish. That means hard or harsh. 
cruel and evil in his doings, he was a bad guy. He was the kind of guy that would run over people. He's the kind of guy that would take advantage of people. He was the kind of guy that, that wouldn't think a moment about taking what belonged to them but protecting what belonged to him. He was an angry man, a hateful man, and he's married to this gracious girl. And she has learned that David is on his way to kill her husband. And you might think she would just say, go ahead. But she doesn't. And in her response, she's looking out not only for Nabal, but she's looking out for David. Now, we notice these things. First of all, I said a moment ago, she acted quickly. Look at verse 18. Then Abigail made haste. She didn't wait around. She was a woman of action. She took 200 loaves and two bottles of wine and five sheep ready-dressed and five measures of parched corn and 100 clusters of raisins and 200 cakes of figs and laid them on asses, put them on the backs of the donkeys. And she said unto her servants, Go on before me. Behold, I come after you. But she told not her husband Nabal. Now, she, she's not able to feed all 400 of the men, but she's able to make a significant contribution to their needs. And so she does. And she does so without telling Nabal, who surely would have stopped her. But I want you to notice here that she acted, and she acted quickly. She acted quickly. When we see things are, are heading for a crash, when we see trouble is coming and there are actions that we can take, let me just say this, we need to take them. We need to take them. If we stand by and watch things uh, blow up, then we're going to be dealing with those consequences. Here's a woman who knew that David was angry and hot-tempered and was ready to destroy her husband. She knew that it would do damage ultimately to David more so than it would have to her. And because she cared about the nation of Israel and the glory of God, she began to act. And may God help us as his people in these hours to begin to act, to think about things more than ourselves, but to think about God's work, God's church, our homes, and for the glory of God. So she acted May God help us to take action. And she acted quickly. Number two, she approached humbly. David is angry. He's furious. His sword is in his hand. He's thinking about, I can't believe what that dirty guy Nabal said about me. I can't believe that he accused me of being disloyal. I can't believe that he would reward me this way after I fought off the Philistines to protect his sheep. I'm going to tell you when I see him, I'm going to give him the edge of the sword. I'm going to give him the peace of my mind. And you couldn't reason with him. And Abigail knows she's heading that way. So how does she approach him? Does she go to him and say, David, let me tell you something. You need to straighten up. No, no. She approaches him in humility. And may this be a lesson for us because we deal with conflict every day of our lives, conflict in our homes, conflict on the job, conflict in this world. There's never been a time, at least in my life, when I've seen as much conflict as there appears to be in our nation. 
hot-headed, passionate, indignant divisions among people. How do we respond to these? We respond in humility. May God help us to humble ourselves. Look in verse 20. And it was so as she rode on the ass that she came down by the covert of the hill, and behold, David and his men came down against her, and she met them. Then note verse 23. And when Abigail saw David, she hasted and lighted off the ass and fell before David on her face and bowed herself to the ground and fell at his feet and said, Upon me, my Lord, upon me let this iniquity be. Let thine handmaid, I pray thee, speak in thine audience and hear the words of thine handmaid. She approached him in humility Her desire was to approach him in a way to acknowledge that there was wrongdoing against him and to seek forgiveness. She approached him humbly. Number three, we see that she appealed wisely. David permitted her to speak, and so she spoke. Look at it, if you would, please, in verse 25. And notice the logic, the reasoning that she uses. Verse 25, let not my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial, even Nabal. For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. I I mentioned this last time when we looked at this passage. The word Nabal, the name Nabal literally means fool. And she's saying, isn't he rightly named a fool? He's a foolish man. David, I want you to consider this. You're the anointed king of Israel. You have bigger fish to fry than to get embroiled with this foolish little man named Nabal. Let's put things into perspective, David. There's no reason for you to be so upset. And by the way, as we live in this world and we deal with things and we handle some things with so much grace, isn't it amazing how some little insignificant nothing can enrage us, can inflame us, can cause the heat to rise up within us. You can't touch a hot stove. And so she says, David, David, think about this. You've got the sword. You're ready to destroy people and their lives. You're going to bring irrevocable damage upon your own life and your own kingdom if you don't stop. This is just a foolish little man. Verse 26. Now, therefore, my Lord, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, seeing the Lord hath withholden thee from coming to shed blood and from avenging thyself with thine own hand. Acknowledge this, David. God is stopping you. God in his mercy is trying to keep you from doing something you're going to regret. Oh, hasn't God been so faithful to us? When we're self-willed and full of sin and iniquity in our hearts and we think, well, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And we don't have the good sense to listen to the Holy Spirit. God works in other ways to restrain us. She said, listen, don't take this into your hands, but put it in God's hands. The the last part of verse 26, now let thine enemies and they that seek evil to my Lord be as Nabal. 
God is going to take care of Nabal. Commit that to him. Exodus 14, 14, the Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall do what, church? Ye shall hold your peace. Look at verse 27. And now this blessing which thine handmaid hath brought unto my Lord. I can imagine her standing there now, her hands pointed back to the direction of the donkeys filled with all the goods that she had sent. She said, this blessing which thine handmaid hath brought unto my Lord, let it even be given unto the young men that follow my Lord. In other words, she's saying, David, lay down the sword and enjoy the blessings. Do you know what bitterness is? It's a poison. And do you know who it destroys? Initially, the person that is bitter. It destroys from within. And it has a tendency to spill out all over, doesn't it? She's saying, David, look at what God has supplied for you. You have what you asked for. This is what you wanted. Put the sword down and take the figs. Put the the spear down. Take, Take the weaponry off of you and enjoy the blessings. Oh, you know, the devil's good at this, isn't he? Getting us so worked up about stuff that doesn't matter that we can't see the blessings that God has right before us. In our homes, with our wives and our spouses, our husbands, with our children, with our grandchildren, with the fellowship of God's people. What a blessing it is. Watch a man walk with his son through the valley of the shadow of death, sing with all his heart praises to God. I'm going to remember that, and you are too, because there's a day when we're all going to have to walk through that valley with a loved one, and we're going to have to trust God. Oh, there are blessings that abound all around us. Don't miss the blessings because of bitterness. Don't miss it. She said, David, lay down the sword. Take up the grapes and the figs. Take up the bread and the provisions and enjoy the blessings of God. Oh, I'd like to say to some of you this morning, put the sword down. Enjoy the blessings. Verse 28, I pray thee, forgive the trespass of thine handmaid. Oh, if I've done something to offend you, forgive me. It's not hard to say, is it? Do you know what? She had done nothing, but she still asked for it. When's the last time you said that? I'm sorry. That's a powerful word. Do you know that? I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? That's a powerful word. Forgive the trespass of thine handmaid. For the Lord will certainly make my Lord, that's David, a sure house because my Lord David 
fighteth the battles of the Lord. She's saying, I know what you're doing out here, David. You're fighting the battles of the Lord. You're, you're, you're not trying to be disloyal to Saul. Saul is being mean to you. And evil hath not been found in thee all thy days. And then she does something in verse 29. She turns the conversation from one churlish man, one cruel man, to another. From one foolish man to another. You see, Abigail is the perfect person to to reason with David because she knows all too well what he's been dealing with with Saul because she's living with her own Saul. I wonder how those two ever got together, Abigail and Nabal. I picture him as a grouchy, kind of more aged fella, mean and harsh, foul language. And I picture her a little younger, gracious and beautiful and sweet and loving. And I can hear her talking to him, but she won't respond that way. And she's lived with this now day in and day out, month in and month out, year in and year out. Wouldn't you like to know, Abigail, how did you keep that spirit? Well, there's only one way. She communed with the Lord. Her circumstances were dreadful, but the joy of the Lord was her strength. You may find yourself in bad circumstances, but that doesn't give you an excuse to get bitter yourself. You can be better, and she chose to be better. And so now she turns the conversation. She says, look, David, you're not only dealing with Nabal, and I've lived with him. I know how bad he is. And yes, he deserves it, but you can leave that to God. But she says in verse 29, but you're dealing with somebody else too, and that's Saul. Look at it. Yet a man is risen to pursue thee. Who's she talking about? She's talking about Saul. And seek thy soul. But the soul of my Lord, David, your soul, shall be bound in the bundle. What a beautiful expression. Read it with me. Shall be bound in the bundle of life with the Lord thy God. And the souls of thine enemies, them shall he sling out. As out of the midst of a sling. She speaks very powerfully here. She said, David, you're running from a guy, a mean guy, who's like Nabal. But I want you to understand, your life is not in his hands. Your life is in God's hands. Maybe you're dealing with some Nabals, some some bad bosses or some mean mates or whatever the case may be. Your life is not in their hands. Our life is not in the hands of the elected officials of our land. Aren't you glad? Our lives are in the hands of God. Your soul shall be bound in the bundle of life with the Lord thy God. What a beautiful picture. The bundle of life, the bundle of blessings. And where does God keep that bundle? He keeps it near his heart. I'm in his hand. And the souls of thine enemies, them shall he sling out as out of the middle of a sling. God said, he's going to get rid of all those people. That's what Abigail said. 
Just trust him. She spoke powerfully. Verse 30, she speaks prophetically. Look at it. And it shall come to pass. When the Lord shall have done to my Lord David according to all the good that he has spoken concerning thee and shall have appointed thee ruler over Israel. David, you can, you can take it to the bank. It's going to happen. God is going to perform what he said he would in your life. You will become the king of Israel. And when that happens, verse 31, she speaks persuasively that this shall be no grief unto thee. David sees his sword. I don't want this to be a grief to you, David, nor offense of heart unto my Lord, either that thou hast shed blood causeless. I mean, really, what justification do you have to kill a man just because he won't feed you? If you do so, even if you think he deserves it, the people of the nation are going to say, what kind of king is David? The kind of guy that just goes and slays another man and all his servants because he wants his food? David, you got to think about this. You can't do this. And, you know, sometimes we need somebody to reason with us, don't we? Have you thought this thing through? Oh, you might feel justified in your actions, but let me tell you, there's going to be a lot of damage if you do this. Or you can leave it to the Lord. Look in verse 31. But when the Lord shall have dealt well with my Lord, in other words, when God takes care of all this, David, then remember me. Redpath says, we find David here on the very verge of committing a sin which would have cast a dark shadow upon his whole life. Murder, no less. Then he says, of course, talking to the reader, you say you would never do that. No, perhaps you wouldn't. But you don't murder people simply by shooting them. You can also do it by hating them. The Lord is not interested only in knocking the gun out of your hand. He's concerned about taking the poison from your heart and causing you to love your enemies. And so we see Abigail in her response. What a gracious response it is. Then we see a fifth thing here, and that is the restraint of David. Verse 32, and David said to Abigail, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which sent thee this day to meet me. He's like a man who has come to himself, like a prisoner who's been loosed from his cell. He sees what she's trying to say. And he says, blessed be the Lord God which sent thee this day to meet me. And blessed be thy advice, and blessed be thou, which hast kept me this day from coming to shed blood and from avenging myself with mine own hand. For in very deed, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, which hath kept me back from hurting thee, except thou had hasted and come to meet me, surely there had not been left unto Nabal by the morning light any that pisseth against the wall. I would have killed all of the men and maybe some innocent women as well. Look at verse 35. So David received of her hand that which she had brought him. You see, having loosened his grip on his sword, 
he's now able to enjoy the blessings. And he said unto her, Go up in peace to thine house. See, I've hearkened to thy voice and have accepted thy person. The restraint of David. What kept him from killing Saul in the cave? It was a recognition that Saul was the Lord's anointed. When he cut the fringe off the garment, the Bible said his heart smote him. The conscience spoke to him. But here it took more than that. It took the voice of Abigail, but God restrained him. How many times have you and I set out to do things that were wicked and sinful? And we were justified maybe in our own minds, full of anger and full of wrath and self-will and sure that we were right and had to prove it. But yet God in his tender mercy sends an Abigail to us. We say, you know what? I think you better think about that. And so we see the restraint of David. Sixth, we see the reward of Nabal. You say, well, what happened? Old Nabal got off the hook, right? No, he didn't. You see, God was dealing with Nabal. And by the way, God was dealing with Saul too. Remember, God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. It is not our responsibility to take on God's responsibility. It's our responsibility to let God fulfill his. So we come to verse 36, and Abigail came to Nabal, and behold, he held a feast at his house, like the feast of a king. <laughs> and Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunken. Wherefore she told him nothing less or more until the morning light. But it came to pass in the morning when the wine was gone out of Nabal, and his wife had told him these things, that his heart died within him, and he became as a stone. He was so selfish, he couldn't bear the thought that any of his stuff had been given over to David. I imagine she told him why she had to do it, to keep David from killing him. And it was as if Nabal, at that moment, the Bible says his heart died within him, and he became as a stone. There are a lot of people living that way in our culture today. The heart's dead within them. No knowledge of God, no love for God, no intent to submit to God though God has extended mercy. You see, Nabal could have already been dead. He could have repented in his heart and said, you know, I was wrong. I need to get right. But he didn't do that. No. He remained firm in his resolve to reject God and God's word. And so the Bible says it came to pass about 10 days after that the Lord smote Nabal that he died. You see, while we live on this earth, we have opportunities for mercy. But there's coming a day when there'll be no more opportunity, a day of judgment. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never put your faith and trust in Christ. I, I'm trying to help you to understand that there's coming a day of judgment. And God is allowing you to hear a warning today that you must come to him. Verse 39 and when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord that hath pleaded the cause of my reproach for the hand of Nabal, and that hath kept his servant from evil. For the Lord hath returned the wickedness of Nabal upon his own head. David here is not necessarily rejoicing in Nabal's death. He's rejoicing in the goodness of God that he didn't cause Nabal's death. 
He's saying, Lord, thank you for sending that woman to speak to me and keep me from doing something that would have brought irrevocable damage upon myself. You see, when we learn to commit our battle to the Lord and we allow him to fight the battle, do you know that he always gets the right result? And we don't have to live in guilt and regret because we acted. Oh, we can live in rest. And David is going to live in rest when it comes to this matter because he let God take care of it. The reward of Nabal, let God take care of it. That's the lesson. And then lastly, the remembrance of Abigail. Remember Abigail's request in the latter half of verse 31 She said, but when the Lord shall have dealt well with my Lord, when when God takes care of you, David, then remember thine handmaid. She knew that Nabal couldn't continue in 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 the state that he was in. She knew that judgment was coming. She knew that God would surely deal with him and that she would be left to fend for herself. Do you think Nabal made arrangements for his wife after his death? Not that selfish man. Oh, no. I'm going to be out here by myself. I'm going to be all alone, David. Remember thine handmaid. Verse 40, and when the servants of David were come to Abigail to Carmel, they spake unto her, saying, David sent us unto thee to take thee to him to wife. Now, there's no hint of impropriety here. It's not as if David had uh, had some uh, relationship with Abigail before or that he was hoping to kill Nabal so that he could marry her. No, what has happened is when she appeals to him, when she reasons with him, and when judgment comes, his heart is so moved toward her that he wants to provide for her and to be her husband. Verse 41, and she arose and bowed herself on her face to the earth and said, Behold, let thine handmaid be a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. In other words, I, I'll just I'll be content. I don't have to be his wife. I, I can just be one of the servants. And Abigail hasted and arose and rode upon an ass with five damsels of hers that went after her. And she went after the messengers of David and became his wife. And do you know what that meant? That meant she had found rest. No more living with a churlish man. No more concerns. No no fending for herself. She's now married to the future king. The remembrance of Abigail. There's so many truths that we can draw from this passage. Maybe this morning you're David in this sense. Someone has said something that you don't like. Someone has acted wickedly toward you, and you are full of anger and bitterness. Would you allow God to send his Abigail and the person of the Holy Spirit this morning through his word to say to you, leave it to God. Drop the sword. Enjoy the sweet blessings. Maybe you're an Abigail living with an Abel. You don't have to be a woman to be an Abigail in the sense that you can have that spirit. 
but you're an Abigail and, and you're living with a Nabal. Don't allow Nabal to make you bitter. And don't respond to him in bitterness. Maybe you're a Nabal. God is speaking to you. And before it's too late, you have the opportunity to repent and look to Christ. I want to encourage you to do that today. And maybe you're an Abigail just enduring day in, day out, wondering if things are ever going to change. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He hasn't forgotten you. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.